Thank you for listening to the following film's podcast. Fact is indeed sometimes stranger than fiction. And such is the case with my old school. Despite actor Alan Cummings' top billing, this is really a documentary, and not one about him. The actual subject agreed to be profiled, but declines to appear on camera. So Cummings stands in for him, lip-syncing the testimonial. Around 1993, a pupil known as Brandon Lee pulled an elaborate hoax at the Bresden Academy in posh suburban Glasgow, Scotland, and created a media circus when he got busted for it two years later. Filmmaker Jono McLeod attends Bresden Academy with Brandon, assembles 30 former classmates and teachers to recount the events of the hoax. Today I'm joined by director Jono McLeod to discuss his film. Make sure you check it out in theaters on July 22nd. If you'd like to support the following films podcast, please go to anchor.fm slash following films slash subscribe. Again, that's anchor.fm slash following films slash subscribe. Hope you enjoy the show. Thanks. This is such a unique film where I went into this blind because there's certain people that um, their work they just have a lifetime pass with me. So if, if, if I see Alan Cummings name on something, I'm just going to watch it. I don't give a shit what it is. It's just, I don't, you know, since the anniversary party, really, I know that that, that was just kind of a turning point where it's like, okay, I don't care. I'm in whatever it is. And so I went into this not knowing what this was at all. And what a delight it was to see completely blew me away beyond my expectations. They were non-existent, but it was, I have yet to see a documentary like this where it was, Something I, I almost feel like you're doing something that's you know like what Earl Morris did with um, reenactment or what um, you know if you, you think about what uh, Herzog did with narration or if you think about what um, <laughs> what any any of these kind of like hallmarks in it. Okay, just those, just those just those small little, those small little known names. L- little little, little I'll tiny. Take it. I'll take little, it. <laughs> but no, no, it's and I'm being de- I'm being deadly on it, like serious in that sense because you see something at that point when you haven't seen it before. And it becomes just everybody follows in the wake of that because it's, oh, this was low-lying fruit. Why hadn't we thought about doing this this way before? And even though you were backed into a corner with it with this, and there have been other versions of it that were similar, but never executed exactly like this. And I think you've done something really unique and I think kind of pretty groundbreaking. Just it's something that clearly makes sense for the story, even though it wasn't how you designed it to be. And so, yeah, just uh, congratulations on that. It's pretty impressive. Thank you. Scottish people do not handle praise well, so it's really challenging for Alan and I to kind of do the the, the circuit with this because we're like, it's so excruciating. But anyway, okay, yeah, well, I'll I'll accept that with uh, gratitude. Oh my god, um, yeah. I mean, basically, what I knew was that this cracker of a high school movie had happened in our had walked into my high school classroom, basically, and the fact that nobody had ever told it, I knew that. It was never going to happen. If if we didn't all get together and tell this story, it was never going to happen. So I'm the only one who grew up to be a filmmaker, so it falls to me. And, you know, the opportunity was there to tell the story, and Alan came on board. I'm not, I'm not going to get to make another first feature again, so why not try to do something that hasn't necessarily been done before? I mean, the lip sync thing has been done before. It's been done in The Arbor by Claude Bernard and yep. various other people. But I knew that, that nobody had ever put their big-name actor and hung the film around that performance. And I knew that I was in safe hands with Alan Cumming because, as you say, you know, I knew there was there's people out there like yourself who will see that name and, and also trust him to go and see it. So 
that was that was my thinking basically. Let's let's have a go at this and have have like a glorious failure if that's the way it's going to be. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, oh no, so, of course. It will, yeah. You think just it was we were starting this conversation. The first thing we talk about is this going to be video or is this just audio? Is this for print? Because it impacts the way that you communicate with people. So if somebody's telling their story and it's they're interviewing them for this, the difference between them just being on audio and just being on video is tremendous. They're much more aware of themselves. The more that you can cut down those barriers, if you get to a truthful, possible, as truthful as you can representation of it, but then you take that and filter it through the performance of Alan, who's bringing something completely unique to that as well. Or I don't know if he's looking at images and trying to mirror what he thinks his performance was, because it feels like sometimes he's adding comedy to it or he's adding, adding a little bit of sadness to it when it maybe wasn't there on the surface level. He's giving depth to it that may not have been there before. I mean, I was only asking to if I turn my light on or off, but no. Um, <laughs> But no, I, I get no totally. Um, like I guess with Alan, like because I, 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 I then I'd always had in my head that we we're going to do this lip sync thing, and because because I guess because I wanted to work with Alan as much as that I had this idea of you know like of, of depicting it in that way, and I look back and think, oh, actually, the the way that that some other people might approach this would be to just animate that performance to have an older branded mm-hmm. cartoon character doing that. But there wouldn't be that performance from Alan Cumming at the centre of my film. This amazing possession of this voice that that is there, and that's like, like I say, because I had because I knew that I had this amazing actor to do it, and so and what he's doing is to call it a, a lip sync is kind of reductive, actually. I think in a way because it's it's so it was such a masterful thing to be in the room and to watch. It was kind of like this Olympic performance happen in front of my eyes, um, and. Uh, so, yes, it's a technical thing he's doing, but it's it's like a, a it's Alan just loves a challenge. So that's the, that was the other thing that was key to him saying yes. Um, and also the awkward thing was that Alan was a friend of mine. So it's that awkward thing where you like, say to your friend, "Hi, I'm making a film. I've got no money. Uh, will you do this thing? And you're going to have to do this thing that's really exposing to you as an actor, and you could just totally mess it up, but you won't because you're Alan Cumming." Um, so yeah, he he put his trust in me um, uh, to 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 do this, and we didn't think it was going to land like this. You know, I compare like like the films I'm in LA, like opening this film, and it's like I feel like one of those people that you hear about where the, they're on a plane and the pilot collapses, and they have to <laughs> they have to figure out how to land a plane with no idea of what they're doing, and that's what this feels like for me. Well, do you, you have to? I mean, I cultural upbringing aside, having, um, as you said, the idea that you're Scottish, it's not in your nature to take these compliments. You have to understand that you've made something that's pretty special and unique in here. Is there is there a part of you, even the smallest part that recognizes that, okay, you're taking a different approach to this and that's why people might be responding to it so much because we see people like myself, we and you go to film festivals and you're just looking for an interesting story at the end of the day. And I can be forgiving of so many things. It's, you know, I if the performances aren't perfect, but it was their first time out, if the lighting isn't perfect, but you know, they're, they're working with $50, those kinds of things, you can forgive it and get it. It's just, you want to connect to a story, but then you have something like this that's executing on all levels where visually it looks really interesting at all times, the way it's changing formats constantly, the way that you have performance in here mixed in with real life, you know, re- recountment re, um, where people are recalling these stories. And so it's, it's all over the place and something that's really unique and interesting. 
that I hope there's a small part of you that does recognize how special this is of what you've made. Today's episode of the Following Films podcast is brought to you by Bookman's. So earlier today, when I went into Bookman's, I was thinking about the conversation I was having earlier today, and I just wanted to check out a movie that maybe was a genre film, but had a little bit more on its mind. Something that was a horror film, maybe something that had a political or social commentary underneath it. And when I walked into Bookman's, I happened to come across the 4K edition of Candyman. Uh, the one that Scream Factory put out earlier this year, and it's a phenomenal set. I'm really looking forward to watching it tonight. But today I'm joined by my son, Jacob, who had some questions about Candyman, the movie. When he was looking at uh, the Blu-ray cover, he had some questions. So let's kind of go through those right now. So Jacob, come here. Yes. Uh, what is your first question about this Candyman? Um, um, what? What happens if you say your, his name five times? That's a, that's a good question, because on the bottom of the Blu-ray case, it says, we dare you to say his name five times. So if you look in a mirror in the movie and you say Candyman five times, Candyman will appear. He'll come there. And he'll kill. Oh, well, wow. Um, I, I didn't tell you that, but yeah, that, that's, that's what would happen. <laughs> Because this is make-believe, it's not a real thing that happens. This is just a story, it's just pretend. Good, good, good. So Candyman shows up in the room and then lights out. So do you have any other questions about the uh, the Blu-ray case here that you're looking at? Uh, why is there a bee right there? Okay, that's a good question. So the bee is there because Candyman, uh, well, what do you think? Well, if you had to, if you were gonna watch this movie, if you had to think, why would there be a bee there? What do you think is going on in this picture? I think a, pin, um, a bee affected him. That's right, he, he was bitten by bees, that's right, yep. That's that's why there's a bee there because the candy man was bitten by bees. And and means so, bees means he would kill the bees that did that. Well, no, not necessarily. But so, do you have any other questions about this on here? Um, why is he in the eye? Oh, that's Candyman. That's just a reflection. So this is this eyeball right here. It represents there's a woman who's looking in the mirror, and then she can see Candyman in the mirror also. So I think that's what that's trying to portray. So I have a question for you about this movie. Do you think this is a movie that a kid should watch? No. Is this a movie that you ever think you'll watch? When you're a grown up, do you ever want to see Candyman? Yes. When you're a grown up? Okay, cool. As long as it's not too horrifying. It's not that bad. It's a lot of fun. Mom loves this movie. I love this movie. So we're going to probably watch this later tonight. How, wait, but how do you know all this stuff? How do I know oh, all this about it? Well, because I like movies a lot. And that's why I have a movie podcast so that I can talk about movies. And why do you actually know all about what's in this movie? Because I've seen it a bunch of times. Oh. Um, the classic one, like part one? Yeah, well, there's actually, there's four Candyman movies. There's uh, three that star Tony Todd, who's that guy right there. He's actually, Tony Todd is a really well-respected genre actor. I like him a lot. In fact, we're connected on Twitter and we end up talking about music a lot. So really nice guy. He's not scary at all, the guy who plays Candyman in real life. And then there was a remake that was done, or I guess it's kind of a sequel to it that was done recently, came out last year, that's really, really good, or a couple years now, I guess it's, it's been out for. So yeah, definitely worth checking out. But, I have a new yeah. question. Why is there a Broadway deal? Well, that just makes it a little bit more horrifying. So I think we need to get back to the interview. Why don't you uh, just go ahead and say thank you for listening to the show to the people. Thank you.
listening to the show. Goodbye. <laughs> Bye. Enjoy the rest of the show. I mean, yes, because I get people are saying it, and so therefore I'm gonna, yeah, yeah. I I, I take it on board that this this film is having this reaction. I absolutely do, but it's just really difficult. <laughs> it's difficult to enjoy it because it doesn't feel. I don't know. It doesn't. It's that. It's that. It, it's imposter syndrome. I've made a movie about an imposter <laughs> that entirely infuses me with imposter syndrome. It's so it's, everything about this film is meta. And it's yeah, for sure. But it's a. Uh, there's something that's. I think so it's speaking to such a universal truth, even though this is such a weird, unusual story. I've never heard a story like this before, but the idea, the motivation behind it is something that you see everywhere where people have this idealization of this time in their lives. They want to go back to where they think that everything's better there. And if I had another shot to redo this, it's um, I could do it better. And, you know, I'm 46. So when I look back at this Oddly enough, I'm right there in line with the age of these characters, pretty much, where you know I can see that particular time period. And I think of the um the early to mid-90s. That's not a place I want to go back to. You know, if I think of where we were socially and just all these different things, it's I that's a huge step back. I don't want to be a part of that anymore. And I don't go look at that time period with rose-colored glasses. And it's but I feel like a lot of people do, where they peak at that point in their lives. They think they peaked there. And, and there's such a sadness in that to me that you're talking about here, where it's something that's the way this film is built up is almost nostalgia, but then there's this undercurrent of just, it's melancholy, I think, throughout as well, because there is that sadness there. And yeah, it's just a really beautiful, poignant, touching film that I think really does speak to people across cultures. Yeah, I mean, I guess for me, I think what I might have brought to the film is um, a sensitivity that probably comes from being a teenage gay kid at high school um, of being of feeling completely outside it. I felt like a ghost walking those corridors. Um, and so to, to have this experience of going back, going back to those, I mean, we filmed it, we filmed those interviews in an old high school, not the old high school, but an old high school. We rebuilt um, my high school class as a set. You know, it was just, it was super, super duper intense and um, uh, I guess you can't do something, you can't make something with those emotions surrounding it and not have them, I guess, permeate the final product. So I guess that's what you're seeing and experiencing is, is all of our feelings around that and, and, and I guess and the, and the humour and everything that you, you have when you reconnect with people that you haven't seen for decades. Well, there's something, there's almost a, uh, it sell, it's, maybe underplays or over extensive, but it's almost like a trauma bond that you have with those people that you experience those times with, where it's just, it's a really, I, I have a 12 year old son now and I look at him, he's about to enter that. He's, you know, entering that world. Just feel like I want to show him a film like this because I just want him to have a much more clear headed understanding that when people are telling you, this is the best time of your life. If you look at it and you feel like shit about it, that's you're not off that there's a lot of people that feel isolated and alone and chances are if you're a more thoughtful sensitive kid you're not going to feel that way in that time period but i i know we're we're running short on time so i'm sorry i just uh yeah i kind of lost a track because this, this is a really powerful film and it really got got to me and it impacted me in a way that i wasn't anticipating so thank you so much for doing this thank you so much it's so special to hear that it's connecting with people um in this way it's incredible 
Yeah, yeah, no, you, you did something really good here, man. And uh, you, you, as I mentioned with Alan in the beginning, you have a lifetime pass now with me as well. I'm definitely excited oh, for whatever's coming down the pike, man. <laughs> oh, well, apologies for that then, whatever it may be. <laughs> well, you know, we'll see, we'll see what the next one is. It'll be terrible. I'm telling you, you know, I'm Scottish. I'm telling you, there's an awful second sophomore effort coming from me. Stay tuned. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. Thank you. Thanks. Take care, man. Right, bye-bye. Cheers, Christopher. Thanks so much. Time enough to figure you out Time enough to write this down Wish me luck, give me hope
Crack.